tonight will probably be most likely, unless the, the Lord will change my mind, probably be the last of all the signs and the various things that are going on. Uh, now, even though certain events might happen and take place, might go back and take a peek and see what's going on, but I think you get the idea. Most of you folks have a pretty good handle on the Word of God and can see it, see it very plain. So we'll kind of wrap it up and a little bit here tonight, and I want to, after we pray here, show you these miraculous signs that have sustained Israel through the 2,000 years. Miraculous signs against all odds. No hope. No hope after 1,900 years. None whatsoever, and yet God has done it. So, you and I are grafted into that vine. You and I are grafted in, Jews, to that vine. If you uh, find yourself in a position in places where there's just no hope, a barren desert, no water, not one tree. Yet God says to you, you're going to live, you're going to flourish. Believe it. Believe God over your eyes, over your feelings, over the news, over the price of gas, over the unemployment record. Believe God. He will take care of you. Almighty Almighty. No one mightier than Almighty. Amen? Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father, again, we just want to open up this time now and ask you, Lord, that you would move in by the Spirit of Almighty God. God, the Holy Ghost, the powerful, dunamis, dynamite of God. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the Spirit of God. Fill us to overflowing, even tonight, as we listen, as we mull over the Word of God. Lord, have faith rise up in our heart. Have us see how you have birthed Israel, scattered Israel, called them back, Lord God. Flourish them, bless them, sustain them, keep them, even amongst all the enemies and those that hate Israel. Yet they still thrive in our lives today, simply, Lord, because... You said so. And God, you will do that with us as we walk this walk, Lord. Help us to uh, just give our heart, strength, and life to you, even tonight, as we look and see in amazement how you have sustained Israel all these years. We thank you that you're a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, that you have set your love on us because you chose to. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's pretty hard to love somebody that is unlovable. Maybe we've all had them in our lives somewhere. Maybe it's just a boss who's about the worst boss in the world, and you just can't have, you have a hard time. Or maybe it's even people in your immediate family. Just, my gosh, for some reason you wonder where they came from. Just unlovable. Well, that's actually what we are. We really are. When you think about God and his love and his mercy and what he's done for us, what he continues to do for us and how we return at times, oof, I think I would have given up on me long time ago. Yet God has chosen to love me. Not because I'm cool, because I'm not. Not because I'm knowledgeable, because I'm not. Not because I'm athletic, because I'm not. Not because I'm intellectual, because I'm not. God just chose to love me. That's amazing. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Well, there is a little bit of news, always it seems like, in the news nowadays, and we want to bring up a site, an article, First Michael, Before the Map, 
says, Israel hits Gaza tunnels after Quasim strikes. I think I'm saying that right. Quasim strikes is a type of rocket. It says, this now, um, this is recent. Looking for a date. No, you can't see it. Six, three, yeah. Pretty cool. Oh, okay, it's written out. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. March. I'm thinking, wow, this is real prophecy. <laughs> June 3rd, they're going to have a strike. <laughs> Where did it come from? Wow. He's ready to start singing again. Lord, you are mighty. All right, so there it is. Anyway, the, the Gaza guys decided to shoot some rockets in the Negev, I believe it's called, and try to blast the Israelites. I mean, no one, they just will not leave the Jew alone. They just will not. They're not going to. It is in them, just as you saw that love for the people coming back for Israel, that hate for the Jewish people was in them, absolutely in them. And so you can see it here, Israel strikes back. Israel Air Force launched a retaliatory strike into Gaza Saturday night in response to the rocket fire into Israel territory from the coastal strip. That's their planes there. I mean, they do, they had this tunnel apparently that they were digging and they would go through the tunnel and do these terrorist strikes. Well, they just took the tunnel out. They don't mess around. They don't ask for permission. They just do it. Do it. And so we wanted you to see that. That that has just happened. Gaza is ruled by the party Hamas, who is an absolutely known hater of Israel, who is an absolutely known terrorist group. And they had this democracy that's supposed to coming to Egypt and all the rest that we see all the turmoil. And they were voted in, voted in, political party voted in. They can do what they want. So we're going to show you the map of just uh, Israel and Gaza. There it is. Oh, I forgot my little dude. You can see it, I'm sure. Probably familiar with this as much as I am. Here's the Gaza Strip. Here's the Negev. This is mostly barren for whatever reason. I don't know. They just can't stand them, I guess. Sent off a few rockets this way. I heard up to 20 rockets. I heard five, four. It's always hard to get exact number. This Strip, Hamas, Israel. This is the West Bank. This is going to be another hot area. But here they are. This, it's going on even now. As the day goes on, here's Syria, who's still at war. Lebanon is right here. They're still legally at war. The ships came through the Suez Canal, which is over here somewhere. Sailed through the Mediterranean, these ships from Iran, and they're off port somewhere up here, armed. The United States has sent some of their beef there. Okay? I don't know if, you know, we'll do anything, but they're there. They're there. So that's what just happened. Gaza Strip, rockets blasting. Israel sent the Air Force and took out the tunnel. Took them out. Okay, that's what's happened just recently. So I wanted to start off with kind of a question, which I guess I have to do the answering. It's like, why the Jew? Why the Jew? Why not Italians? I always thought, man, God, why didn't you pick the Italians? Um, why did God pick the Jews for his people? You know, what are you guys? I mean, just why do you pick the nationality that you're from? Well, Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy 7, starting with verse 6. That, did I give you that paper, Mike? I did, didn't I? You're on target. Okay. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 says this. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Okay? 
It says, The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Period. That's it. It's the end of it. That's what he decided to do. I decided to choose. I've just chosen them. Okay? Now we'll read some more, but this is the answer to that. He said, I'm going to choose you to be a special people unto myself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now it seems like the day that they were chosen, everybody hated them. God haters. People do. They just hate anything that represents God. They were to be the oracles. The oracle, remember we said this morning, is supposed to be a mouthpiece of God. Mouthpiece. You can see it now even in our nation. People hate Christians that talk about the things of God. That'll dare to pray in the name of Jesus. Anybody watch the NASCAR race this morning? I always, or this afternoon, I always try to watch the beginning and see the guy pray, and he just prayed in the name. He didn't pray in the name of Jesus, but at least he prayed. But he looked for that Jesus. That name is hated now, even in our nation. They don't want to hear about God. Anybody wants to be the oracle of God. That's why Christians are despised and going to get worse in our nation. But the Jews here were set apart unto God by his choosing. God chose them. He said, I choose you to be a people to me, unto myself. You're the group. And so they were called to live as his chosen people. God says, I'm going to choose you. Now this is how I want you to live. We know that Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1.16 says, this is it. He says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is part of being chosen, to be the oracles of God. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fill you with life, fill you with my spirit. I'm going to keep this covenant with you. Live the way I say to live. Same thing he says to you and I. Now we can look at history and see how the Jews have blown that. Blown that to smithereens over and over and over. Yet God continues to keep his covenant with them. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you just think he'd say, okay, let's try the Italians now. Wouldn't you think? I mean, that's something man would do. That's what we would do. Verse 7 in Deuteronomy 7 says, The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were, in, were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. It's like God didn't choose you because you're the coolest or the greatest or the neatest or the most numbered or the most wealthy. God chose you because you're the fewest. Maybe about the feeblest thing there is, so I'm going to choose you. That sheds light on why he chose me. And that's not, well, I'm so humble. That's the truth. Look, until you get out of the way, God can't do a whole lot with you. Until you submit, until you confess, man, you're right, God. Without you, I can't do anything. I am feeble without you. I am just dust without God. I'm going to return to dust, this body that you see. And so as you see this and accept that, and God, you're my sustainer, you're almighty, you're my king, you're my defender, then you sing that song, that chorus, over and over and over because you realize what it's saying. So we have difficulties believing that at times and try to live this walk in our own strength, and we fail. Verse 8 says this, but because the Lord loved you. That's it. You were the fewest of all. He said, you didn't have this great ability, this great intellect. Here's why. Because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So God says, I'm, I'm just simply going to do this and choose you because I love you. Because I love you. The Lord has set his love on them. 
So their motivation, motivation for such total obedience to God was to be that they knew that they were loved by God. That's why you should walk this walk and stand up for him and confess him and witness for him. And when you walk by Walmart and someone has thrown a t-shirt on the floor, you just go and pick it up because you don't want to just disappoint God. You feel like you shouldn't because I, I, because I love you, I'm going to. So you just pick it up. Your love for God is what causes you to serve God and live for him and not lie when the pressure's on and do the various things that you're supposed to be that all that everyone else just blows off because you just can't. You just can't. You can't jump out of bed, do 100 chin-ups and push-ups and then call work and say, you know what? I don't feel good today. I'm going to call off and then do what you want. You just can't. If you're, you're lying. And so your love for God, you don't want to lie. You don't want to be like that. You want to be different. And that's what God says. This is why I've chose you, people, Israel. This is the covenant I'm going to make with you. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And you're going to see this with these miraculous signs of Israel. God says, I keep my covenants. I keep them, even though you don't. I keep them unto a thousand generations. You know what that says to you? You can trust him. Who can we trust anymore? Our government? It sold us down the drain a bunch of times. This whole housing thing. Horrible. Horrible. Could have easily been, ah, can't trust your government, your neighbor. We're finding very difficult to trust anymore, anybody. God says, I will keep my covenant. And he proves it. He's going to show it even as we go through these signs. And if you can sit there and think, I don't know if I can trust him, then you're crazy. Then you're really not seeing and understanding what God is showing us, how his relationship with Israel pertains to you and I. Verse 10, then he says this to those who are against him, and repayeth them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. There's another side of God that lots of times people don't like to hear and preach. You don't mess with God. God will take you out. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. God says, I'm going to get in your face. Verse 11 says, Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. You know what I say to that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'm going to do them to the best of my ability. And I know that you will strengthen me and give me the ability to do them because you have set your love on me and you have chosen we end up falling in love with him and wanting to please him. And when we always fail, his grace comes in us, gives us the ability to do that which we cannot do because we love. It becomes a love relationship with God. Okay, let's look at these miraculous signs. And you compare yourself to these. Look at yourself in these. The first sign is this: uh, the, the scattering of the Jews was predicted and it happened. The Bible prophesied that the Jewish scattering of the Jews, the nation of Israel, will dwell for many years outside of their country in promised land. For many years, never had a place to go to. Through the relationships I've had with my family, my parents or uncles and aunts would always say, well, they're from the old country. I know what that meant. I meant Italy. Your grandparents, your grandmother, all of them came from the old country. 
They had no country to go to. After this time had elapsed, they would return to their ancient possession, it says. The predictions were exact and complete, making the nation's return supernatural. Supernatural. Happened in our age, in our time, our dispensation. Now, people that were born like me in the 40s, they think you're ancient, but that really wasn't that long ago. Really wasn't. Doesn't seem like it anyway. So they were scattered and dispersed for over 1,900 years. No government, no capital, no country, no currency, no language, no, no um, old country to go to, nothing, nowhere. And God spoke and said, it'll happen. Let's look at Hosea 3, 4, and 5. Here it is. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod. That's what they had. The high priest had all this stuff. He's going to say, many days they're not going to have anything. None whatsoever. Verse 5 says, Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter, latter days, end times, eschatology, nowadays. That's what's happening. They're, they're returning. Now, a whole lot of them aren't seeking the Lord yet. But that'll happen. That'll happen because all this. You saw the little clip this morning about the plane that's bringing all the Jews back. They're coming. They're all pumped and excited. I look at them just shake my head think, man, that'd be the last place I'd want to be. Every rocket in the world is pointed at your face. And you're going, I love it here. It's hard, hard. Hosea 6.1, look what it says. Come. Let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. The binding up is happening now. He ripped them apart, shredded them because of their disobedience. That's what God will do. He'll take you to the woodshed, but he does not leave you there shredded and torn and hopeless. He'll bind you back up. Pour the oil and the wine, hopefully sit you on knee and learn that lesson. After do that again. Thank you. And that's what you need to do. If you're a father and mother and have young children, you need to give them, you need to fire them up. Let them do their screaming, because that's what kids do when they get fired up. And then let it calm down after a while. Some of them like to play the screaming forever. Let it calm down after a while. Then sit them in your knee or put them in your lap. Pray for them. Tell them this is why. And pray. It's perfect. That's what God does to us. And so we can see them. They're returning now because of Hosea. He prophesied this thousands of years ago. And now it's happening in your sight, in your sight. Touched a little bit on this one here. The next one, the miraculous sign, is the actual return. The dispersed, the scattering. They went to Egypt. They went to Russia. They went to Canada. They went to Spain. And now they're coming back. They're starting to come back. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of Bible passages predict the return of Israel to the land of Palestine. And so they give us two here. Ezekiel 20, verse 34. That one. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand, with a stretched out arm, and with the fury poured out. So out they go. God says, I'll bring you back. <clears throat> Isaiah 11. Okay, I'll probably read this in the NIV, but that's okay. You can follow along. It says, In the day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people. He names them where they're at. 
from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from up, Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylon. He goes and names all these people. He will rise a banner for the nations and gather the exile of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. You're seeing it. You're witnessing it. Grab one of them books off that table out there. It's happening. And you saw a little clip, and a lot of them don't even know why. I mean, one guy says, I'm going to kill terrorists. I mean, I, I can understand that. That reason. Now, what has got a lot of the Muslims fired up there over Israel coming back is that they're buying land. They're buying back land. And they're like, well, wait a minute. You can just stay right there, but we don't want you to go over here and then go over here and then go over here. But God said they would. That's part of the prophecy. It says the prophet Jeremiah prophesied about 600 years B.C. Just as the nation of Judah was being destroyed and the people taken captive in the land of Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. He spoke of a day when the Jew would once again purchase land within the, within the ancient territory. That is precisely what the returning Jews did, starting a new, nearly a century ago, they bought back the land. 600 years B.C. this was prophesied. See, America, if it's truly a prophecy, the Word of God, someone prophesies on Saturday, if it's not done by Monday, you give up. Seriously, you give up. Well, that must not be of God. I was just telling my son, we were praying about something in New York, and I texted him back, yeah, I said, John, the main thing is the timing of God. I'm not even talking about end time. I'm just talking about something in his life. It's the timing of God, John. You don't want to be there before God wants you to be. You don't want to do that before God. It's the timing of God. And so in the timing of God, they started to purchase. Jeremiah 32, 44, again, the NIV says, Fields will be bought for silver and deeds will be signed, sealed and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah, in the towns of the hill country, of the western footholds, and of the Negev. We just talked about rockets were sent in there. You understand, they were just driven out of their nation by Nebuchadnezzar. Everything was over. They had nothing. Everything was destroyed. And this guy saying, you will buy back. The they had to think he was crazy, Jeremiah. You and I are looking at it thinking, why couldn't they believe? Well, because you can see it happening now. They couldn't. Why can't you believe the things you can't see now? In your life. He says, because I will restore their fortunes, declare the Lord. And this is what's going on. So they start buying back the land that was actually theirs, given to them. There's much more than what you see right now. It's just occupied. Here's another one. This, the fourth sign we're going to give you t tonight is Israel's re reborn in one day. In one day. I was trying to find clips, and I found one and then lost it. It was actually where they were taking the votes. And it would be United States, and I go, yay, yes for Israel. And other nations were going, no. They didn't want them to be a state. They didn't want them to have this. You can find it. It's on YouTube. I just didn't think of it to bring it. Israel, a nation that had not really existed as a separate nation for nearly 2,500 years, was declared a new sovereign state by an act of the United Nations on May 14, 1948. The nation was born in a day. And they'll go, the days have it, 33 to 18, whatever it was. Israel became a state. They rejoiced, and they chose the Star of David. 
as their flag, and then were attacked. Isaiah 66, 8, NIV. Who has heard such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. But yes, in a day. Wouldn't it be cool if Israel could become a state before the day's over they were in the timing of God? Why May 14th, 19th? I don't know. I don't know. It's the timing of God. But there they were. Who has heard such a thing? Okay, the order of the return as they're going to start coming back, as the Jews are starting to be stirred to come back, God even predicts the order. Come on. It's good enough prediction just that he says they're coming back. Right? That's good enough right there. He actually predicts the order. It says here, the first returning Jews to uh, Palestine came primarily from the eastern Arab countries. And that would be, you know, that's right there. That makes sense. The next major movement came from the western countries of Europe, especially Germany. You know why, don't you? World War II. Killing. And I can't imagine the degree of punishment Adolf Hitler is in still today. As he killed six million Jews. Especially Germany. Then they came in great numbers from Russia, the north, during the end of the 1980s. I remember hearing all that. The late... The, Last great migrations of the Jews returning to Israel came from Ethiopia. Remember that? Remember they started going, Muslims going crazy, killing one in a genocide. The Jews said, I'm getting out of here. So the precious order of return, it says, was predicted by Isaiah the prophet. Look at this. Isaiah 43, 5 says this. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east, gather you from the west, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. That's exactly what happened. The ones from the east started first. Soon they became a state. They started coming. And then in the order God said, they started coming in that exact order, the exact order even, and are still coming today. Psalms 107.2. Again, reading the NIV, 102 and 3 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east, the west, north, and south. Now, is that just a coincidence? God just happened to hit the target right there, just said the east. I don't think so. God can predict that stuff easily. God has no problems with saying this is what's going to happen. We're going to come from the east first. And then they're going to come from the West. The Germany, Hitler's, Poland, all that stuff, fleeing Nazi Germany, going back to Israel. And then God goes on and says this. He's going to have a pure language. They haven't had a pure language in thousands of years. It all got messed up as they were dispersed. With the return of the nation, ancient Hebrew language has been revived and has become the official language of the state. The Hebrew language. They have chosen the Hebrew language. Prior to this happening, the Jews spoke an impure form of the language called a Yiddish. The return to a pure common language was again predicted by the prophets. Now, come on. This is amazing. God says, all right, they're all going to speak this one form of language. I mean, we can't even do that here in Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> right? Ruth and I came from Pittsburgh, and we're like, you put your groceries in sacks? It's about the dumbest thing we ever heard. I'm thinking of 
a sack with burlap. Sack. You put your food in there. We can't even talk to God, so I'm going to give them a pure language that are all going to speak. One. Zephaniah 3, 8 through 10 says, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord. See why? To serve him with one consent from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia and on and on to the daughters of my dispersed shall bring it off. One language. Born in a day. Never even had a country. Born in a day, immediately attacked by two seasoned armed nations. They beat it. Why do we worry? Be about your father's business. Have your bags packed. Everybody's got to get up Monday and go to work. Do it. But have your bags packed. So God says we're going to have one pure language. And for reasons, they can call upon me. Once them all. It's awesome. And it's all happening in your lifetime. God also says they're going to have one common monetary system. The shekel. It says after nearly 2,000 years, we're not talking about 2,000 days, 2,000 years, the shekel has been reinstated as the common monetary unit in Israel again, just as predicted. Trust God. Ezekiel 45, 12 through 16, NIV says the shekel is to consist of 20 giras, 20 shekels plus 25 shekels plus 15 shekels equal one nina. All the people of the land will participate in this special gift for the use of the prince in Israel. They have one common, the shekel. It's happened. All this stuff has happened. It's not like going to happen. It's happened. And another one. There are certain cities that are expected never to be inhabited. Now, they're taking barren waste land and it's becoming fertile fruit crops, exports, making money like crazy. Yet there's going to be cities never touched. Yeshua pronounced a curse on at least three cities within the land. These remain in ruins today. The land. We have that in Matthew 11, 23, I guess, NIV. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Unbelievable miracles, revelation, insight on the majesty, the miraculous of God happened in those cities, and they went, and God cursed. To whom much is, you can say it, much is required. Oh, so much light has been shed upon us in America. We have like 300 Christian radio stations to whom much is given. Much has been required. We're looking at end time stuff, eschatology. You're seeing it right in front of your face. You'll hear it from O'Reilly and all those guys on TV. Yet you just kind of do nothing for God. And yet when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. You guys better just be careful. I'm not talking about you got to quit your job and become preachers. Please, we got enough of those guys running around. I'm just talking about you just, hey, God, what do you want me to do for you today? How can I serve you through even this church? This church can be a tool for you to serve God in somehow, some way. 
anyway. Just like, I was going to make this known Sunday morning, but the men's choir, I was like, come on, man, just sing, for, we'll just do three songs, practice five times, won't bother you till September. Can't help it. Our missionary in Uganda, through Facebook, heard the men's choir, and he's begging, saying, please have them sing when we come home in May. That's serving God. That's like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I mean, that's a small, minor, silly, but do it. Same with a uh, piece of clothing on the floor. Pick it up. Just to honor them. Do you feel that? Do it. So, because we love Jerry and Donna, we're going to do it. And I hope you men step to the plate. Those that you didn't the first time, you're getting a reprieve. You get another opportunity to go for it. Those of you men that know men that did, tell them, look, our missionaries want to hear it in May. We're going to do it again. Not the same songs, but we'll do something just to bless them. Let them know we love them. And the last one here. Israel's gone from desolation to productivity. How, how many of you remember some of those um, uh, revival videos I would find? That countries that were given to alcohol and drugs and suicide. What was the place up there in uh, almost the northernmost tipped part of Canada? Was it? What's the name? Induit? In no, 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 no. What was that, Brian? You always got the name. Yeah, the Inuits. Yes, Inuit. God forsaken. I mean, they might have two weeks summer up there. I mean, today the weather weather is like, oh man, I can't stand this cold. Someone says fifty on Tuesday. I'm like, yes, they never have that up there. And they're like, you know, population eight hundred and thirty-three. I mean, it was just horrible. Given over to booze and alcohol and drugs, and and they were having this unbelievable death rate. Do you remember seeing it? You remember how they started crying out to God, saw God. In fact, it was so long ago, it was back when we had cassette tapes, and when they had a little clip of the guy screaming, the fire, the fire, because God showed up. Tremendous revival. Fishing was gone. The ah, It's not elk. What's the other big deers that run around in the winter and in the snow? And caribou had all disappeared, just gone, nothing, because the curse all came back. The fish came back. The blessings of God. The blessings of God. And God says that's what's going to happen to Israel when they do come back. So the rest restoration of the agriculture and of the trees in the forest. Did you see that this morning? Actually, I thought you'd get, I'd get a response out of you. Because you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, de desert, desert. And then across the road, these huge palm trees. Green as green can be. It's a miracle. An absolute miracle. And God says the trees in the forests of Israel shall um, has been another remarkable miracle, it says here. Scarcely 75 years ago, the land was a desolate waste, full of malaria swamps and deserts. Today, the replanted forests are flourishing, and the Israel agriculture production is one of the great wonders of the world. This tiny country exports quality produce around the world, just like it was predicted. They just became a state in 48. Now they have the fourth largest army, the greatest agriculture, and it's a desert. And in God's word, he said, the desert in your life will blossom. The water that you need poured in your life 
is Christ. The water of the word. And the desert in your heart starts to blossom. That's what he's doing to this entire nation. What he's done in your heart. If you're really born again, you've had that experience. That which was barren and dry and lifeless has come alive. Even though he shaved the same faith. I don't know how he did it. But he did it. Is it true? So those are some ten wondrous signs. Um, Isaiah, I don't know if you have, I didn't give you scripture. Okay. Isaiah 26, 6, NIV says, In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. And it's dormant. Today, in your lifetime, you're going to go home and get an electric bill higher than you think, gas be up another 20 cents, and you're going, how are we going to make it? Isn't it true? Isaiah 35, 1 and 2 NIV says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And that's what's going on. The other side of that coin is, that's the bait that God's setting the hook into the people that he says, I'm going to get in your face and destroy you. And right now, you're just seeing them jump up and down with their flags and their things on their head and doing their, God's going to take them out in God's timing. Because God is moving in those countries and people are getting saved. And Iran, and Iraq, and Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and China. Underground church in China is awesome. Now, did you ever get that sight to come up, Michael? Boo! You never did? Well, I'll just read it. The first three chapters, we'll end with this. Just a little upbeat, let you know. The first three chapters of Revelation, John sitting on the island of Patmos, which I had that island and all that stuff to show you this morning and kind of forgot. But he was banned to this island for the preaching of the Word of God. And all on that island... Christ came and gave him that great revelation of Jesus Christ. That's our last book in the Bible, Revelation. The first three chapters deal with the seven churches of age. Probably read them. We've talked about them. I've showed great film clips on those. They were awesome. The letters written to the churches. Kind of like the church ages and the church, you know, what the one church says, you are dead. God just says, the church is just dead. Then there was the church of Philadelphia that seemed to be hitting it with God. And then our, our time, Laodicea, great falling away, apostasy, people, I don't know, indifferent. Oh, well, that's what you say. I don't know. I don't care. Can't get folks to do anything. Indifferent, unmovable. That's the age we live in. Then you turn the page. It's Revelation chapter 4. It says, a voice called for the apostle John to come up. Says, come up here. And immediately he was in heaven. Okay? Now, lots believe that this is a type of the rapture that's going to happen. There are other, other places, but we're going, to, we're going to look at this one and show you on, kind of neat on the screen, but this site is sometimes hard to open. But they believe that this would be a prophetic reference of the rapture of the church. Come up! And John was in heaven. And that's what's going to happen. The words come up are spoken to a couple others, the two witnesses that have yet to die. Two people, flesh and blood, body, like this, are still in heaven for the timing of God. And we believe they are Elijah, and who was and not because he walked with God? Enoch, in heaven. 
Now, we believe that they're going to be the two witnesses that are going to come back. They're going to prophesy for X amount of days, and then they're going to kill them. And then they're going to raise up from the dead again, and then go to heaven. It's all in the timing of God. God says, come up, and you're up. You're there. And that's what we believe is going to happen to the church. So these two are going to be killed in the middle of the tribulation. Okay, and then they will be resurrected and ascended into heaven. You can read that in Revelation 11, 12 if you want. Therefore, that phrase, come up, could mean that the church is raptured and that Revelation's four. And I am so hoping it is. Prepared if it isn't, I'm hoping it is. Hope it isn't. I want it to be that. But just to say up here, that's definitely this, I can't say that. I'm just a dude looking at the Word of God. Now, the word church. Here's one of the reasons, kind of cool. The word church is mentioned 22 times in Revelation 1 through 3, but is never mentioned again until Revelation 22, 17. It's all about the Jew. When all this lining up, this Ezekiel 38, and all that stuff starts taking place, and the Jews are going to, oh, he is the Messiah, and they're going to come back and seek the King David, and, and I believe you and I will be gone. Come will be gone. And then the tribulation starts, and halfway through the trib, the Antichrist will really reveal himself, pour swine blood on the newly built temple, which they got all the stuff to build the temple. Remember the red heifer? I believe they have one or two of them hidden. Hidden, because they don't want, people want to kill them. They're hidden. Have all the garments that they're supposed to wear. Everything's ready to build it. So come up, and you never hear about the church again. It talks about Jacob's trouble. It's about the Jews. And all the persecution, everything is going to rise up. That's why we kind of believe that the rapture happens before all these horrible wars that we've been talking about. Now you'll see missiles take off and countries go at war, and I don't know what's going to happen to America. They may fall and crumble right before our eyes while we're here, Americans. We don't know all that. All we know that God has been faithful to Israel. You've seen it. You've heard it. I gave you scripture to what he said thousands of years ago. You're seeing it fulfilled today. Go type in YouTube, agriculture in Israel. Just look at the fruit. It's all there for you to look. And you think, man, if you did that for them, they'll do it for me because he's no respecter of persons. And I've been grafted into the vine because I've accepted my Lord and said, he will take care of me no matter if gas is 10 bucks a gallon. He'll take care of me. If God wants you to open your gas cap and spit in it, and you'll run for a week, you'll run for a week on it. You understand, God will do whatever he wants to do. Okay, where's Rod and dudes? Are y'all still here? Rod and Shauna. i got to have that song again. His great name. We'll sing that. We'll close with that song. Look at those words as you sing that and know that he's going to take care of you. Think of what he's done for Israel and is still doing for Israel, even when Israel deserved none of it. God says, I will keep my covenant with you. And his mercies are renewed. His grace is sufficient. His love is everlasting. And it's all for you. You can trust him even to walk. <laughs> That's all right. Come out of your pay. I know. She gets nothing, by the way. <laughs> so it's not like I'm going to get anything. <laughs> she receives nothing, but gives a lot. 
So she does give her time and effort. So let's stand. Unless God changes this, we'll probably stop this. I can't wait to kind of preach again. I missed that. And stuff happens. Maybe we'll show you. Maybe we'll, we'll show you a clip or something on a Wednesday, maybe. I don't know. We'll just see what happens. Just don't stay ignorant to this stuff. Keep your eye on the sky. Keep your heart pure and clean. Filter your heart with the Word of God. Filter your heart. It's like coffee, you guys drink coffee. Filter your heart with the Word. There's going to be a lot of junk come out in these last days. A lot of foolishness, a lot of false doctrine, a lot of fake, phony moves of God, a lot of lying wonders and miracles. They're not saying they're not. They're going to happen, but they're going to be lying to try to dethrone your walk with God. You can only filter it through the Word, not your intellect. This is going to let us down. Times I don't even feel saved. I don't go by this. Got to go by this. Worship Him. Ask Him to enlarge the border of your hearts, even as you sing, so that you can trust Him no matter what the news says tomorrow. We can gather even if we have to hide. We'll gather and sing the praises of God to the glory of God. Amen.